I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. The last podcast I did was in early September. This one's coming to you late October. I wanted to be back a lot sooner. I wanted to discuss your Dennis Ugas's victory in winning a welterweight title. Um, and, and the thing is, there was so much to discuss about that fight because it, the story of Ugas was very interesting. Um, there was also the drama of Ramos possibly being able to score a last-second KO like he did in his previous fight. And there was also uh, a lot to discuss in terms of the scoring of that fight because I, I saw uh, Ugas versus Ramos as a, kind of a one-sided fight. I had it 119-109 for Ugas. For whatever reason, the judges had it a split decision for Ugas, but, you know, I don't know how anybody could have given uh, seven rounds to give to... Or sorry, they they didn't give seven rounds. That was, that was generous. Uh, they gave nine rounds to give to Ramos, which I just could not see. But then I remember Dr. Lou Moret, who's, uh, that was his scorecard. He's 76. I think senility might have been sneaking up on him. But um, like I said, I'm very sorry for uh, once again being absent. But sometimes I've been finding it a bit hard to get motivated for uh, doing a podcast. And if you listen to the last episode, you might have a better understanding of why. If you don't, maybe go back and listen to that, please. But... Uh, Either way, I've got a great podcast uh, this time around for Lomachenko versus Lopez. So, you know, let's just get into that, shall we? 2020 has not been a very kind year to most of us. I think as years go by, no one's going to be looking back and saying, you know, I really don't think things were that bad, like I sometimes do with the year 2016. And look, I'll be perfectly honest, I don't think that 2016 was that horrible in the year, in the very least, but that's another topic for another time for maybe another podcast. Our societies are changing. The new normal is becoming more accepted, and you have to wonder how long before this new normal is simply regarded as normal. What we saw this past Saturday between Vasil Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez wasn't part of that new normal, but perhaps a return to an old normal. I can't remember which round it was, but during the fight, Joe Tessitore, Andre Ward, and Timothy Bradley brought up the fact that during the Mayweather era of boxing, a lot of the best fights weren't made simply because of management or financial demands. But in the case of Lomachenko versus Lopez, it almost seemed like a bit of a throwback fight. You had Vasily Lomachenko, a two-time Olympic gold medalist, a champion in three weight divisions with less than 20 fights under his belt, taking on the young and -and up-and-coming Teofimo Lopez, who a lot of people might be looking at in a different light after his clear victory this past Saturday. You have these two fighters. Lopez is a devastating puncher and one with underrated boxing ability, and Lomachenko a master boxer. It's a classic matchup, but instead of constant bickering back and forth between camps on social media, which concessions might be made in order for the fight to get made, they simply made the fight. And while the results might not have been what a lot of people or fans were expecting, it's nice to have a pay-per-view worthy fight that didn't take several years to get made 
and also wasn't on pay-per-view. Yes, even your humble correspondent was able to watch this fight thanks to TSN here in Canada. I think there had to be a few seconds in delay uh, because at times the audio cut out here in Canada and as you all know, uh, foul language is prohibited. There's a lot to discuss about Lomachenko versus Lopez, but before we get into that, I think it's important to discuss the bouts on the on the undercard. First, uh, when the TSN broadcast started, we had Tony Bellows taking on the undefeated Edgar Berlanga, and when I saw that Berlanga was undefeated and all of his 14 victories were all KOs within the first round. I wrote a phrase on Twitter that I've been using for many years, and that was that I expected Bellows to get smoked faster than a joint at a frat party. And that's exactly what happened, because Bellows was cut, dropped, and eventually stopped 79 seconds into the bout by this young powerhouse named Edgar Berlanga. Whew. The way you see people talking about him, I imagine that this is what it was like for a young up-and-coming heavyweight in the 1980s named Mike Tyson. The, the strangest thing about it was that immediately after the fight was stopped, Berlanga got on the canvas and started doing push-ups. And when I saw this, I thought, oh god, the guy is so pent up, he's so worked up that he's got all this energy that he, he wants to just get out of his body, but uh, no. It's nothing like that at all. This was, in fact, punishment. As soon as his coach got into the ring, he told him to drop and give him 10 because of some errors that he did in the fight. And I thought, wait, what errors? I thought he did great, but this is the thing. ESPN, this fight was over so quickly that they thought, okay, let's just fill airtime. We're just going to show a complete replay of the fight. I did think that maybe his punches were a bit wild. That he just needs to be a bit more focused with his punches. I saw some people saying to me that he uh, looks like he leaves himself open to counter punches and a more experienced, talented boxer might be able to capitalize on that. But, as we saw, he's not an undisciplined young man. He clearly takes what his coaches say seriously, otherwise he wouldn't have done those push-ups. He would, he would have just said, nah, screw you, I, I, I just won this bout and in just over a minute. Why do I need to do push-ups? I was perfect in there. So, it's clear that he's open to uh, improvement and whatnot, but uh, we'll have to see if that actually happens. Now, I, I know it might be early for this, but doesn't a matchup between Berlanga and the undefeated David Benavidez sound exciting? Both are 23 years old. Benavidez will be 24 in December. But they're young guys. Both are exciting to watch. And as we'll get to later, it seems that uh, 15 fights might not be as inexperienced as some people think to take on the best in the division. So next up, we had Alex Sacedo taking on Arnold Barboza Jr. And I'll be honest, I and you know, shame on me. Yes, I know. I didn't pay as close attention to this fight as I should have. Because, you know, this is airing on a Saturday night. Unfortunately, I had to be up at 5.30 for my job Sunday morning. And so my body is telling me, you know, you really should sleep because, you know, you're going to need that energy in the morning. And I didn't pay close enough attention during the fight. However, I will note that Barboza, early on in the fight, the first two rounds was coming out of the corner in a southpaw stance. And I was thinking, well, what's he doing here? 
what is he trying to accomplish? Is this some sort of uh, ploy to throw Saucedo off of his game? I, I don't know, but whatever, whatever it was for, I don't think it worked as well as Barboza hoped because he, he was getting tagged with some pretty good shots, and whenever that would happen, he would immediately get out of southpaw and go back into the orthodox stance, and when he was in orthodox, he would do better. Now, during this bout also, ESPN was doing some stuff that was really, really pissing me off. Because while the action's going on, they go split screen and they'd uh, start conducting interviews with a fighter named Jason Mam- uh, Jason Maloney. I almost said Jason Mamoa. <laughs> uh, no, they were doing an interview with Jason Maloney, who's uh, going to be fighting Nawa Inoue on Halloween. But I'm watching this and I'm getting mad because don't do a split screen during the fight. Okay? We don't need to see Maloney's face during this fight that he's not in. We can watch the fight and listen to the interview at the same time. Also, they were doing replays, like from the last round, while the the current round's going on. You have a full minute between rounds, and yet you think, now we'll show them the replay from the fight during the fight. It's not like anything exciting's going on right now. Oh my god. And for the most part, I, I, I think it was a pretty good fight between Sacedo and Barboza. But there was a bit of controversy when uh, Sacedo appeared to knock Barboza down, and he's not getting credit for it. The referee, uh, the referee uh, ruled that, no, 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 that wasn't a knockdown, your feet got tangled. But when I saw that, I thought, I didn't see their feet get tangled. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll show a, a, a replay. And it, when they show the replay, it's like, where are the feet getting tangled? No, nobody, nobody's feet got tangled at all. Tim Bradley was watching this, like he was doing commentary, and he seemed to get really upset about this. He seemed to be really offended about it, which I don't know why. I just, I thought it was a bit hilarious. He seemed genuinely pissed. And then just as the next round's about to begin, the referee called a timeout and reversed his call. There's a new thing in Nevada where a referee's call can be reviewed and reversed and that's what they did with this knockdown you know it, it, it's funny I'm everybody uh, everybody on Twitter social media they're watching this and they're saying you know you, you should have called that a knockdown that was a knockdown I'm thousands of miles away in another country saying a few meters back from my TV and I saw it how the hell did the guy who's only a few feet away not see it? And then ESPN decided that in another brilliant uh, directorial decision, that during this fight between Barboza and Saucedo, that we should do a split screen to show what Teofimo and Vasily Lomachenko are doing to prepare for their bout, which is right after this one. So, so how are they preparing? Lopez is sitting in a chair, and Lomachenko was pacing in his dressing room. Wow, how thrilling. I'm so glad that we got to see that while an exciting bout was going on. Otherwise, I might have started to get bored a little bit. What the hell were they thinking? Number one, it's boring boring as hell to watch one man sit and another man pace. Number two, the last time they cut to the dressing room, it was the exact same thing. Lopez is sitting in a chair. Lomachenko is pacing. It's the same thing we already saw. 
Who cares? Anyway, the bout ended between Saucedo and Lo er, sorry, Saucedo and Barboza with scores of 96-93 and 97-92 twice for the winner by unanimous decision. Arnold Barboza Jr. Good bout. You know, I, I would like to see both guys again, but now on to the main event. But first off, let me start by saying, screw the West Coast. Can, can we not start these fights earlier? I don't know how the hell you expect people watching New York to still be awake when, you, when you're starting these fights so late. What's the harm in starting them in the afternoon, Las Vegas time? Honestly, who is this hurting? Where is the harm? Either way, Teofimo Lopez, the IBF lightweight champion of the world, apparently spent the last two years calling out Lomachenko, saying that he wanted to fight him. And he got Lomachenko going into the fight, arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. A man who's accomplished so much in such a short span of time. In seven years and 15 fights, he'd won the WBO Feather and Super Featherweight title, as well as the WBA, WBC, and WBO Lightweight titles. Whoever won this bout was not only going to be the first person to hold lightweight titles from all four sanctioning bodies at once, but was also going to be the first undisputed lightweight champion since Pernell Whitaker. So there's even more pressure, and a lot of people seem to be favoring Loma, myself included. And even though there was no crowd, no roar of the audience, no cheers, you could sense a lot of tension in the ring, and my heart was pumping. You know, I, I was really excited. But never did I expect such an exciting bout to be so one-sided. I kept expecting Lomachenko to do his Matrix-style stuff, but that never happened. He seemed patient, but maybe that patience hurt him. I heard some people saying that he was hoping the pressure of the situation would get to Lopez, that he would start to falter, and that's where Loma would take, o take over, but it didn't happen. And I'm sorry, this has nothing to do with Andre Ward having blocked me on Twitter. I don't know what this man is talking about. After three rounds, and Lomachenko barely throwing anything, barely landing anything, it's all Lopez at this point, he's saying, well, no, nobody's really in control of this fight yet. Well, after three rounds, I had Lopez in control because I didn't score a single round for Loma at that point. Even Timothy Bradley was saying that Lomachenko uh, had to throw punches if he wanted to take some of the steam out of Lopez because the movement just wasn't doing it. And when he did throw punches, they were kind of few and far between. Now, in the latter half of the fight, Lobachenko did start to do better. I said that if you were feeling generous, you could give him the eighth round. But at that point, I still had it a shutout for Lopez. But Lobachenko was being a lot more aggressive. He was taking more chances. He was fighting like everything was on the line. And a lot was on the line, okay? I kept thinking that he, if he had fought like this way earlier on, we might have... A completely different fight on our hands but in the end it was too little too little too late and i scored the bout 118 to 110 for teofima lopez now comes the part of the, of the broadcast where i have to give some sad news andre ward scored this fight a draw prompting me to declare andre ward 
high as a kite. But then, who else should tell me that they too had scored a draw but our very own Justin Salvato? This pains me, but following this broadcast, I shall check Justin into a treatment center where he will remain for the next 30 days or months, depending upon how bad he's got it. But look, I don't know what fight Andre Ward was watching. I honestly think that he figured, well, I'm a gold medalist, Lomachenko's a gold medalist, you know, we've got to stick together. I've got to root for the gold medalist, and I've got to support him no matter what, but come on, Dre, come back to reality. Judges Julie Letterman, Steve Weisfeld, Tim Cheatham, they all had scores for uh, Teofima Lopez. Letterman had it 119-109, Weisfeld 117-111, Cheatham uh, 116 to 112, all for Lopez, who at the age of 23 has become the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. It's quite an accomplishment, okay? Uh, the Monday following the bout, Lomachenko underwent surgery on his right shoulder. He was apparently having pain throwing the right hook, so he should be able to start uh, training again in late January or early February. After the fight, he sounded disappointed, but also thought that he had won at the same time, though he said he wasn't going to argue with the results. I don't think this is the end of his status as one of the top fighters in the world. You have to remember that he lost his second fight to Orlando Salido, and he was able to bounce back better and better each time. Now, who's to say that he can't do the same thing this time, and maybe we won't see a rematch between him and Lopez next year or in early 2022. Now what's next for Teofimo Lopez? Uh, Does he keep his belts and defend uh, the titles and expand on this legacy he's carved out for himself at lightweight? Or does he decide to test the waters at 140 pounds? Either way, this was a great night for boxing. The broadcast drew huge ratings. The main event uh, peaked at around 2.8 million viewers and ratings never went below 2.3 million during the main event that's great that is awesome i had uh you know a friend of mine uh messaged me on facebook he said you know i'm kind of a a fair weather fan of boxing but you know i i think that these broadcasts are great because they're going to help create new fans yes you're absolutely right jason mcdonald they are going to create new fans and that's a great thing, okay? Uh, and even better, even better on Halloween night, as I mentioned earlier, Jason Maloney will be taking on Nawa Inoue for the WBA and IBF bantamweight titles. Now, earlier in the broadcast, they said that this was going to be Inoue's U.S. debut, but if they did just the most basic of research... They know that he first fought in the U.S. all the way back in 2017 at the StubHub Center in Carson, California. Again, PBC, ESPN, if you want to hire me like as sort of like a, a research guy or anything in any capacity, yeah, you know, hit me up. I'm available. Either way, I'm looking forward to that fight. And two weeks after that, I believe, we're going to also have Terrence Crawford defending his welterweight titles against Kel Brook. I know these certainly aren't the best of times, but right now, 
it's a pretty good time to be a boxing fan. Anyway, that's all I have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Adzizic, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to YouTube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. I'll be back.